Hello, I'm Oliver Colling, and this is my 70s TV childhood. Episode 1. Growing up with television in the 1970s. Hello, and thanks for listening to this first episode of my 70s TV childhood. My name's Oliver Colling, and I'll be your host as we go back in time to remember what it was like to be a child growing up in 1970s Britain, and, for me personally, how television played a part in my childhood. They say nostalgia isn't what it used to be, but I want to disprove that. I'm a middle-aged man in my 50s who's a chartered accountant and a management consultant living a solid middle-class existence in rural North Yorkshire, which in itself doesn't sound like the ideal guide for a bit of time travel. But, like many others born in the mid to late 1960s, the 1970s were my formative years and have helped turn the child I was then into the person I am now. There is a story to be told about growing up in the 1970s, and over the course of this series, I want to share my reminiscences, and to hear yours too. The 1970s have a bad reputation. It's pretty smart and hip these days to call it the decade that taste forgot. And I agree to some extent. Since the death of my parents, I've become the guardian of the family photograph collection. And, with hindsight, forcing your children to dress in various combinations of orange, brown and beige does appear to be a mild form of child cruelty. But hindsight is a wonderful thing. Together with the clothes, things like avocado bathroom suites, serving hatches, leave for our milch and Mike and Bernie Winters seem like odd things to enjoy and aspire to. But for those of us who were there, this was real life. Who knows, perhaps future generations will scratch their heads at our generation for its obsession with being glued to our mobile phones, counting likes on social media as some kind of positive affirmation for our lives. Let's see. It's also fashionable to paint the 70s as a thoroughly miserable decade. True. The period confirmed the UK's fall from grace as an industrial and influential superpower and saw us having to go cap in hand to the International Monetary Fund for a bailout as we were broke. But in spite of that, it was the decade I grew up and, in the main, I have enormously happy memories of being child in a carefree, happy environment, living as part of a loving family. In short, most of us 70s children had lots of fun growing up, even coming home from school during the three-day week to find the house full of candles as there was about to be a power cut was fun and exciting. Going to bed by candlelight was like something from a fairy tale. As well as my parents and sister, of whom you will hear lots more over the coming episodes, 
Another big presence in my and many of my contemporaries' lives was the television. For me, the TV was a wonderful gateway into a bigger world of fantasy, of drama and exciting faraway places. It was also a focal point for many families, an important cultural reference point for British society at a time when things were, let's say, a little grim. Culturally, Britain in the 1970s was a foreign country compared to the diversity we enjoy in our society today. We were still feeling the social hangover from the Second World War when we defeated the evils of Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan, but had lost our standing as a global power. It's fascinating to look at a list of the most watched programmes for each year in the 1970s to see where we were as a nation. In 1970, for example, the most watched programmes were the Miss World Contest, followed by an episode of the Benny Hill Show and the Eurovision Song Contest. Others in the list for that year include On the Buses, The Royal Variety Performance, Please Sir, Steptoe and Son, and of course, inevitably, Morecambe and Wise. In later years, the same names crop up again, supplemented by the likes of Love Thy Neighbour, Bless This House, The Generation Game, Dad's Army, and, amazingly, The Black and White Minstrel Show, all of which attracted audiences of around 20 million viewers in their prime. From this, it appears that popular British culture in the 1970s could be summed up in endless light entertainment and variety shows and slightly risque sitcoms, many of which contained dangerously racist undertones. And to an extent, I'm sure this was the case. But as a child in a small northern town with little diversity in its makeup, it didn't feel like that at the time. Looking back now, it's incredible that the BBC and ITV allowed some of these shows to be made and broadcast when Britain had been increasing its diversity since the end of the war. Leaving that point aside, the other remarkable thing which leaps out is the ratings figures and how many people gather together to watch a single programme at the same time. Don't forget that for most of the decade, there was no video recording technology available, so if you missed it, you missed it, and had to wait for the repeat to come around at some point. Even so, the fact that more than 28 million of us crowded around our televisions on Christmas Day 1977 to watch Morecambe and Wise perform, amongst other things, a rendition of There Is Nothing Like a Dame, with the likes of Barry Norman, Michael Aspel, and the craggy-faced newsreader Peter Woods, is nothing short of remarkable. My childhood was, like many others, perfectly ordinary in most ways, but extraordinary for me. I was born in Warrington, which was then a small northern town in Lancashire, until Ted Heath decided it should be in Cheshire as part of the ludicrous local government reorganisation of 1973. I did ordinary things, like go to infant school, then on to junior school, and I shared ordinary times with lots of ordinary people. But I think for many of us, those years are some of the happiest and most carefree of our lives, and I remember them fondly, as I do the diet of television programmes that illustrated my ordinary days. 
You're listening to My 70s TV Childhood with me, Oliver Culling. Come and share your memories with us at our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com. Now, some younger listeners, and those of you listening in other countries, may think I'm overdoing the importance of television in our nation's cultural history. But I would like to take you all on a journey back to what TV in this country was like. Today, television is just one part of the overall home entertainment proposition, with hundreds of channels available, featuring a huge variety of entertainment, literally to cater to almost all tastes although there does sometimes seem to be so much choice that I might agree with my wife's hero, Bruce Springsteen, when he complains that there are 57 channels with nothing on. We can now access live sport of all kinds, from Premier League football to events like Sky's Fisher Mania, which, believe it or not for those who haven't seen it, makes fishing into an exciting TV proposition. Honestly. There are arts channels, movie channels most of which are also available on demand. And when you add streaming with Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube and others to the mix, you could quite easily spend every waking hour of your whole life watching new content on what's likely to be an enormous TV screen, tastefully installed on a wall of your choice in your home. There was nothing like this in the 1970s. I remember a few years ago explaining what TV at that time was like to one of my American work colleagues, who I think thought I was winding her up. Now, this may be a shock for some of our listeners, but in the 1970s, we had three TV channels in the UK. I'll say that again. We had three TV channels. BBC One, BBC Two and ITV. That was it. And we were lucky to have BBC Two, which only began in the 60s and was developed as a means to test out Europe's first colour television broadcasts in 1967, coincidentally the year I was born. The second shock for you is that the hours in which programmes were broadcast were restricted. BBC One didn't come on air until around lunchtime, when there was a news programme, followed by the Watch With Mother slot for the under fives a lot more of which will be explored in future episodes. Then there was a break in transmission until later in the afternoon, when a range of children's programmes were followed by more news and an evening programme of entertainment, which went on until around midnight, when the station closed down again after, believe it or not, playing the national anthem. When the station wasn't broadcasting, which was most of the day, the screen was filled by the test card, which featured a smiling little girl surrounded by some, quite frankly, rather creepy toys. And at night, the screen was just filled with static noise. BBC Two had even fewer hours of broadcasting, and was, it seemed to me as a child, focused on either highbrow arts programmes or on strange comedies like Spike Milligan's eccentric programmes and, of course, Monty Python. As a result... BBC Two didn't feature too highly in my 70s memories, apart from those comedies and time spent watching hours of cricket. ITV was the only channel which broadcast during the day, 
and it too closed down at night. The mornings were filled with educational schools programme for all ages. I remember I must have been about six years old and my mother walked into the room while I was watching a programme containing graphic descriptions of sex and how an embryo was fertilised. Obviously it was way over my head at this point but gave my mother an early indication of my fascination with watching the box. Back to ITV's programming. Their daytime schedules were filled with programmes which I think were modelled on their American counterparts, like General Hospital and Crown Court. These were meant to be gripping courtroom and medical dramas, but the British didn't have the budgets of their US counterparts. And even as a child, I wondered why the walls shook on the screen and why the same people kept appearing, playing different parts in different programmes. The final shock for today's generation is that I and many of my contemporaries saw most of the decade in black and white rather than in colour. The standard British television was a wooden box with a small screen that sat in the corner waiting to burst into life although switching on the set was followed by a few moments' wait as the valves warmed up before, hopefully, the picture appeared. I say hopefully, as another feature of watching TV in the 1970s was that TVs broke down with depressing regularity, usually just before a long-awaited programme. For that reason, my family and millions of others rented our television. Ours was from Radio Rentals, which, at the time, was a huge presence on the UK high street. Thinking about it today, the whole idea was madness, really. Paying a monthly fee so that if anything went wrong, a man in a van would come and fix it. I think some of it came from the fact that our TVs were mostly British, made by companies like Pi and Thorn, and that the technology used was more mechanical and prone to faults than the digital TVs of today. But also I think some of it was to do with where Britain as a country had come from, out of the austerity of the post-war era to greater prosperity, but where people were still careful with money, having had little before. And the final point on the TV sets we watched, there were very few remote controls available. All buttons and dials had to be changed manually, which led to household arguments across the whole country about whose turn it was to turn over. Those words, turn over in themselves, shows the paucity of programmes on offer, as generally it meant switching between BBC One or ITV, BBC Two being reserved for special occasions only. By this stage, you may be thinking, what's the point in listening to this any further? TV in the 1970s sounds terrible. Three stations, and mostly in black and white, and only broadcasting for part of the day. But the truth is quite the opposite. For me, as a child growing up in the 1970s, TV was wonderful, and a real part of my development and experience. As I was saying earlier, I think it was also a unique period where families came together and watched the same things which were then discussed at school, between neighbours and in the workplace. It was also a great counterpoint for what was happening in the country as well. As a child, I was out playing with my friends, having fun at school and in the holidays. But for my parents and other grown-ups, 
the TV provided a welcome escape from the harsh economic realities of what was frankly a country in decline. This podcast is going to explore the part TV played in my and others' childhoods, as well as thinking a bit more about what life was like for us as kids in the 1970s. In subsequent episodes, I'm going to explore one theme in a bit more detail, and what I also want to do is hear about your memories of growing up in the 70s and the part television played in your family. Our series covers all sorts of programmes, not just kids' TV, so let me know about your special memories. It was a marvellous time in the lives of all of us who grew up then, so I want to celebrate it. What I've also tried to do is to work from memory alone, with very little reference to the many excellent websites and other information sources for this subject, and to that end, I apologise in advance for anything I might get wrong, or if I misremember dates or other events. The whole point is that I'm recalling how I remember experiencing things, rather than conducting a forensic reconstruction of life for a child in the 70s. As I'm also a solo amateur podcaster, I can't afford the copyright on anything, so any quotes or musical references will also be from memory. I've got several future episodes in the pipeline, and will not be attempting to follow my memories in any particular order. There will be interviews, features, and hopefully a few surprises for you along the way. But the most important thing I need to make this series a success is your participation. I want you to join me in sharing your memories with our other listeners. Future subjects slated include What are my earliest TV memories? Watch with Mother. The school holidays and the special programmes we had then. The influence of American cartoons on a generation. Saturday night TV rituals. Sport on television. 1970s adverts, and one that I'm really looking forward to discussing, those public information films that used to appear from time to time. I'm also looking for ideas from you, dear listeners. What parts of your 1970s childhood TV experience do you want to hear more about? Please let me know. So that's it for our first episode. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed it, tell all your friends and as many other people as you can think of. And please get in touch via the website. That's www.my70sTVChildhood.com